right on the back of the Lumo Energy Chance, the podcast has started. Oh, has it started? Yes. It started. This, oh, is, started? this is the podcast. Oh, Welcome to uh, T-Tech... Tech-T. 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 This is the inaugural... Episode one. Episode one. James... Tell, tell the listeners a bit about yourself. Should we introduce ourselves? Oh, yeah. We should, if you probably interested. Why, you, why, don't you, why don't you introduce yourself? Host? That is First a good question. Ben. Okay, my name is Ben Grubb. Uh, I am a former technology journalist. Uh, and now I work in public relations for technology startups. The evil side. The dark side. The dark side. Uh, the grey side. The grey side. The grey side. What do you do, James? Hello, my name's James Alexander. Or... James A. Sid on Twitter. Should you follow me? I run a incubator. I run a startup accelerator program at Sydney University called Incubate. And we incubate startups coming out of university. Very interesting. And Hugh. Hi. Uh, Hugh? Hugh. Well, I'm going to go with that. I'm Hugh, also known as Hugh, it seems. Well, is there a G in there? There is a G, yeah, it well, turns that's, out. It's a hard, not it's, a hard G. It's, it's not a hard G. It's, this isn't a GIF-GIF problem. Um, <laughs> is it GIF or GIF? It's it's GIF clearly. Um, mm. GIF is GIF is debatable, no, no, no. debatable, GIF is, debatable. No, no, but I know the so I know where the original creator of GIF or GIF lives in SF, and it definitely is. GIF. He made no, but he made the claim. And because you know where he, he lives, was, he you know GIF, how to pronounce but it. The problem yeah. is, is that it's one of those things where. Well, no, apparently on the on his door in his apartment, he actually had a sign up at one point saying it's not. GIF is pronounced. It's pronounced GIF, not GIF, or something like that. It was, it was, it was well, good for funny. him, but yeah. he doesn't get that choice anymore. No, I know. The what do you do, Hugh? Decided. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I uh, I run some startups um, and I work for them. So, and, and in the tech space, um, SaaS platforms. Um, yeah. Wonderful. We're having tea and talking tech, and we thought we would start with Gorka, the media giant. That is a media giant looking to well giant could be a bit of a, an overstep uh, popular popular media popular outlet. media, popular media outlet that also encompasses a number of other publications besides gorka.com what are the other applications it, it, particularly it valley Way sorry we're is, dealing just so the listeners know we have two microphones and three people uh and it is proving difficult but james isn't very good deal. at getting close to people what <laughs> that's true james um, and i are sharing the microphone here what um what are the other properties um, that that they own? I believe they have so Pop Val- Sugar, they have Gizmodo and Lifehacker, Mini Pub- yeah, Valley Valleywag. So like Peter Thiel, this this rich dude. Uh, rich dude. Who Ooh, is the Elon the Elon Musk but then went into venture mm-hmm. capital rather than rocket ships. Yes. Yep. He he is backing people including Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan had this sex tape leaked to Gorka and they published it and there's been this big lawsuit to shut down Gorka, and we're going to discuss what we think about it, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Yeah, what we do are. you think about it, James? We are. I mean, the lawsuit, so they filed for bankruptcy because the lawsuit was $140 million that they got to repay or pay. Was the judgment? Was the damages they were awarded? Yeah, damages they were awarded. So we're gonna we're gonna chat about that, and um, um, uh, what are your thoughts, Hugh? <laughs> Pass the buck. Exactly, passing the buck. I, I think it's an interesting case because uh, maybe unlike a lot of other situations, you know, usually in these situations where you have a someone uh, suing a media publication, you know, it, they usually get settled out of court. Really, mm. um, they get settled out of court. Usually, it ends up being for some sort of reason that the insurer ends up being able to foot the bill. But the difference here is that, you know, certainly there was a, a clear kind of intent 
to try and end up in a in a situation where Gorka would be unable to pay it. You know, they they rejected the ability to, or they rejected the application to have a stay, so they wouldn't have to pay the 150 million, you know, immediately, and they needed to front up 50 million or you know declare bankruptcy, which is obviously so, what they've had to I do. I mean, it's kind of it's it's kind of it's interesting what reading. There's always two sides of the argument, right? And it's interesting reading the CEO of Gorka Media response to Peter Thiel trying to justify all the actions of his journalists, right? Because he, he would argue that it was in the interest of the public to know that that founder was gay. And if you don't know, the original thing that kicked off Peter Thiel's hatred of the media company Gorko is because they outed him or outed him in an article when when um, when he asked explicitly not to be and it was in a it was in a gossip magazine column. Anyway, the point is apparently it's okay for them to do it because billionaire tech billionaires aren't used to the same public scrutiny that celebrities get and somehow that makes it justified. But what do you what do you guys think about that? I don't think that anyone should ever be outed by by the media. I think Christine Forster, Tony Abbott's sister, was outed by the was Aust- she, outed by she was outed by the really? Australian. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, and but it was kind of on like a, an ultimatum term, from uh-huh. if my memory serves me correctly. But a lot of people are outed that way. I don't know. Like, is there a public interest in people sexuality in no, people's no sexuality. sexuality? But I think it's a question of whether there's a public interest in the things that the public want to know. And what's the difference between what you would call the public public interest in the context of say the you know the NSA's um, programs but that's know, but the that, Edward Snowden leak yeah. which is a public interest story that's not so much necessarily about things the public are desperate to know about but more about things that they ought to know about whereas what? celebrity leaks uh, sex tapes you know the public are interested in the context in the sense of they want to know and they want to see them or whatever it is but that doesn't mean that they meet that same test of public interest that, you know. I think that there's a public interest if, say, you are a priest who uh, is advocating against same-sex marriage while, meanwhile, you're going to a, a sex club for gays. I think that then think that there's there is a there's a public interest in then... Really? Yeah. I've, is I've, that just because you dislike the church, though? I think it's, it shows hypocrisy. And but everyone is, is hypocritical in some way. Because they, they, I mean, you, this you is were an a journalist actual and you went into PR. Well, it's yeah, it's a difficult one. Well, okay. The point that Peter makes in why he goes attacks them is that he believes you can have quality journalism without invasion of individual privacy. And I tend to agree with that. How is not out, how is outing someone not invading the? No, but that's his, that's his point. He's like his point is that Gorka survives on invading people's personal privacy. In the in, with the the idea that somehow this is for the greater good, and also just to point out, there was a really good tweet I saw the other day, which is this is the summary of the modern headline: "Here's something you hadn't heard about, but now that you have, here's why it's totally wrong." And that's like that's that's pretty much summarizes a lot of uh, you know modern day articles, and 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 I think um, I, I'm I'm on Peter's side in this case. And yeah, look, I mean, but I mean, I think that actually there's probably more of an argument that. Uh, maybe Peter should have taken or could have taken, certainly, the degree of it's it's his money, he chooses how to spend it. And if he wants to fund that, how is that any different to other third-party litigation funders, of which there are many? You know, there are now, you know, stock exchange-listed firms that do litigation funding mm. um, and private equity mm. funds and, you know, all mm. that kind of thing. So litigation funding isn't mm. a new thing. Um, and absolutely, you know, they've got some interest. And in Peter Thiel's defence, I'm sure that the, you know, if the judgment does end up going through and the damages do get awarded to that degree, 
he would make a solid return. So from a financial perspective, he would have made a good bet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, the financial perspective is interesting. There's the other, there's the other thing of um, what does this mean for our legal system when individuals will back cases? And I think that's kind of overplayed here because it's a tech billionaire, which is unusual, but it will probably be the first of many. But, but, and, but and we're, all, we're all in agreement that this is a, a decent thing to fund then. This, 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 this. I mean, are, do, we, are, we, are, are we, we all in agreement? I don't agreement? know if we're all are in agreement with that. I don't know. Are we, are we, okay, are we so you, you say that yes, Peter Thiel should be able to shut down a media empire that is doing good in maybe 90% of its, 90%. what it does. That, that I don't know. Be, I just, could also you know, be a little bit optimistic. <laughs> you're, you're saying that they, they, he's doing the right thing here, backing Hulk Hogan. And others, it's not only Hulk that, that he's backing here. Yeah, it's just this is obviously the biggest high-profile case. Shouldn't they not be the punished for... Can't they, is there a way that they can be punished but still stay alive, like still be a Well, they just have to sell to someone. Hmm. I mean, I think it's too early to say. It's too early to say what the repercussions will be because we're in the middle of it right now, so we can't really make a judgment on that. It's too early to say what the future of Gawker is because, yeah, sure, they'll file for bankruptcy, but there's a whole bunch of options they can go after. Um, will this have an impact on how future journalists and editors think about invading, you know, to at least talking about people being out? Absolutely. And then that, to my mind, that's a good thing. Do I think, Peter... Oh, you think that's a good thing? I think that's a good thing because I don't think journalists should be um, outing people's sexuality. I, Maybe I, we should I, talk I about ethics and journalism. Yeah, but so that's... So that's Not that's game journalism. Yeah, that's right. Oh, no. Um, but um, but do I, should they should I shut down should that shut down Gorka? Well, I think it's a byproduct. I don't know if that was the intended one, but maybe it was. Oh, I, it was. I think it is. I think it is clear that there was some intent to end up in causing a, a significant amount of damage. Whether it was that they were going to shut them down, but certainly that there was an intent to cause an element of damage here. Next one. Guevara, is that how you pronounce the Spotify Gu- rival? The- Guevara, I think Guevara. Yeah, yeah, I think Guevara sounds Guevara. sounds interesting. Yeah. Guevara. So Guevara is a Spotify rival, and it is looking to IPO on the Australian Securities Exchange. Australian. ASX. The ASX, and it wants uh, 100 million, 80 million to 100 million. 100 million, yeah, 100 million is the goal. 80 million is the 100 million is the oversubscription um, rate. They they believe they're valued at like 1. Point something billion dollars. Yeah, and, yep. the, and the founders are still retaining a lot of equity. In and they're they're turning over um, yearly losses uh, in the double digit million. I think 80 million last year or something. Million, it was yeah. uh, uh, so they want to list on the Australian Stock Exchange. Uh, there's been a bunch of articles in the AFR and the Australian over the past few days uh, examining uh, exactly how uh, this will all work. There's been a few questions around how mum and dads uh, are having their money invested in this company in the lead up to the IPO. You know, that's, that, that to me is that to me is like kind of an interesting point because mum and dad investors. 100% exist on the public markets anyway. So anything that's IPOing will have mum and dad investors well, in it. In so, a, well, Kogan, look at, look at Kogan. Yeah. So Kogan is... is preve- so they're also IPOing at the moment. Yeah, yeah, but they're, they're underwriters are... Um, and they're, they're only accepting institutional yeah, investors and Well, no, Kogan, Kogan brokers, is also doing going retail, retail through... Via brokers. Well, via brokers. And, and there's also that strange crowdfunding, you know, um, book build platform called something. I can't remember what Venture it's called. Venture crowd? 
No, not venture crowd. No, no, it's not a it's not a crowdfunding thing. It's it's just a way of doing a book build. Oh, to, you mean to, for the five five years? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Essentially, what they did was they re- they yeah. registered themselves as a broker and then they just turn it into a web yeah. platform instead. Yeah, yeah. So, what do we think of this IPO? They, it looks as though they have been shunned by venture capitalists yep. and now they are going down the stock exchange I, route. I, I think there's two. There's there's really two. There's a really a few things at play with this, which is the first, which which we, and they get. Confl- I think the arguments get can can confused the first one is should we be allowing these type of super well not early stage but well yes in this case early early stage stage type of tech listings where the revenue is not there the company is not what you consider a stable company for be listing on public markets and and there's a lot of interesting there's a lot of interesting thought around that because we're seeing a lot of backdoor listings as well and the ASX is is trying to change some of those rules around that so so obviously there's that and then and then and then the other question I think that and that's that's different and I think the different one um, that also gets usually thrown into this argument is that what's uh, just because VCs don't fund it doesn't mean we shouldn't allow it on the ASX and I think those are, I think those things are kind of they're different and and there is this case that does apply to it and then you look at the execution of the company and then you look at how much money they're losing and all that type of stuff and you analyze all that but ultimately you know um so there's a lot of people going well just because vcs fund it doesn't mean we shouldn't allow other funding sources because obviously there's not enough vcs in australia and obviously it's a very narrow minority group of funders but in some ways you know there's also the argument that says vcs are designed to take on that type of risk but you know i I don't i don't think i buy that i think public market investors can also take on huge amounts of risk see see, i don't i don't believe in uh, i guess i don't believe in the element of oh well you know, it's a free market. Mm. Um, we should let people make their own mistakes. If they want to make bad investments, let them make bad investments. I mean, you know, there's already some... I mean, this is what some of the press has been about, you know, has been about the fact that there was some interesting sales tactics perhaps used, you know, as part of getting... Well, isn't, uh, isn't there some... There's, I mean, there's a lot of questionable things happening with the company. And even the metrics they released, you were like, wait yeah. a second, show us the active, daily active, monthly active, show us the, the real... So you didn't, you didn't see what you would normally see out of a SaaS platform as far as the yeah. you know, numbers yeah. of MAUs and, you know, what the revenue lines were and everything else. You yeah. really didn't see that. And look, you know, there... And I think that's where we've had a lot of the questions and it wouldn't surprise me that, you know, that this is a deal that has been shopped around to venture capitalists or private equity firms. I think Mike Cannon-Brooks came out and said that he was terrified. Uh, he had been pitched he before. Tweeted. Yes. He tweeted he was terrorified and then, then journos run with that. But I, but I think it's it's true in that, you know, Mike Cannon-Brooks attended one of the roadshows for this IPO. So he would have seen, you know, obviously the, the, the prospectus materials presented in the best way possible. You know, it's the pitch of the IPO um, and, and, you know, would have had a chance to ask questions I've, is I've this company a worth a billion dollars? Is, is, are a lot of companies that claim to be worth a billion dollars worth a billion dollars? What was yeah. the what was the usage stats? What was the numbers, high level numbers in terms of what they claim to be a number of users? I mean, I think I think and I because James, because there's there's another point here which is I love the idea of Australian growing Australian founded tech companies focusing on the Indian Asian pack markets. Like I, I think, think there's a huge true. opportunity for SaaS in this. So I love that premise from from a get go. Do I think the execution is there? No, absolutely not. I mean, there's just there's a lot of interesting questionable tactics. And then what's the other one? The 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 the, the, the one of the main investors is also somehow one of the directors as well of the company. Yeah. The so the, 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 the the private equity firm or something like that that was the uh, that that is sort of underwriting the IPO and things like that happens to have the same executive director. You right. know, so it sort of is an internal project for a private equity firm that isn't actually a member of the usual industry bodies that sure, you would see a sure. PE which firm. Is, being which is which is why of. which is why Avcal rejected them. Which as is well, why really. yeah. So Avcal, so, which is the VC and private equity, I guess, industry body, actually 
wrote an op-ed um, because they were concerned that you know this activity would be uh, would lead to damage you know to the reputation of the industry. So the AFR reports that since launching in India 12 months ago, the business has gone from zero to 6.5 million users there. Globally, it has 15 million users and it's adding about 35,000 people a day. Within India, though, the AFR says it hopes to grow at a similar rate or faster over the next 12 months. Not all of these users are recurring, though. In Australia, it has 1.4 million users, apparently. Of these, 40% uh, active each month so about 500,000 less active. even yeah. uh, active so and then it, there's a quote here there were 5,000 users that listened to Guevara every single day in October is that enough for them to be a billion dollar company James no you're Hugh um no I mean I mean to justify that you know valuation with that many um, that few monthly active users is, is intriguing. I mean, what they're, what they're going after is like, oh, we're attacking India and emerging markets and we're leading and we're somehow better than Spotify in that regard. Not sure if that's true, but... Had you even heard about them before this yep. IPO? Yeah, 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 no, no, I, I heard I about... had seen like ads on Channel 7 or... I think Seven I've mate. seen ads about Guevara on 7, mate. Because of course it's Australian if you add the word mate at the end. Yes. <laughs> well, okay, no, so so there's two, there's, two, there's two things here, which is, which is, I don't know why they're... Going after the Aussie market in with ads because that seems like complete waste of money in my mind, especially TV ads. But sure, let's let's uh, the point is that they see their growth in in India. And when I when I was in CES earlier this year, I was speaking to some tech journos from India, and they absolutely know about Guevara and they know the claims they're making and stuff like that. In fact, in fact, it was kind of it was this. They didn't really know what to think of it. But um, as I said before, I like I love the idea that Australian tech is going after that segment in emerging markets. Do I think they're doing a great job? I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm guess, not sure. I guess the concern I have, though, is that maybe there's uh, or, or the worry I have is that while I agree with you, I think there's a real opportunity for Australian tech yeah. to be, I guess, exported to Asia Pacific region yeah. um, as compared to what we do currently, which is usually, you know, they move to the US and yeah. they lock, you know, get into the US. Yeah. Well, I mean, the UK, Cam- Canva's a good European example market. of Japan as well. Exactly. So they've got a lot of Absolutely. good usage in Japan. So. I think, though, that the, you know, like you need to be careful about, you know, conflating the element of wanting to find a business like that and then seeing one that is potentially like that and then sort of confirmation bias your way to assuming that they're therefore yeah. meeting that need. Sure. Mm. Um, I mean, look at this versus Tidal, though. Like, Tidal, I don't think, is ever going to work because there's too many conflicts, you know, trying to get exclusive deals. Like, I don't think a you're going to ever see a music streaming service work that has exclusive deals and then you've got like, you know, who, who run Tidal now? Who's the, what's his name? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? It's very He's a really famous dude. And I mean, the, a, you're, you're not thinking Kanye Rihanna West. And, uh, it's, not, it's not Kanye West. He was never running it. He was just a, just a spokesperson to try and get it some press. And yeah. then were, the whole relationship broke down because it turned out that some He's of the cray-cray. deals that, yeah, so, well, some, of the, some of the deals and requirements that they had put in the contract, they never actually met. So, mm. You know, there's clearly some some weird things going on. I mean, that that whole segment of subscription-based music and what do we do in the sort of post, what I guess you could call the post-piracy world of music. Um, you know, is the future an Apple iTunes existing model of you know CDs but distributed through you know digital channels? Is that the right answer, or is it an advertising-based model? I mean, Guevara is interesting in that obviously it's you know it's serving those markets where uh, the value add is in the advertising. It's an advertising play, not an actual subscription play. You know, which is the right model and what's the right model for music in the future? And no one really knows that, I think. You know, mm. Spotify is still losing money and it, it's very heavily venture funded. But it'll be really interesting to see whether or not they end up going anywhere with this or well, if it, it could potentially all just fall down. I think what we can take away from it is, is one thing, which is, yes, getting encouraging tech companies to list super early on the ASX 
is questionable and there'll be a lot more debate around that. But I mean, if we just push that aside and just talk about streaming, I mean, when, when Apple Music was about to launch, they thought they would absolutely own Spotify. Everyone was like, Spotify is dead, Apple Music's coming out. And what have we learned from but that? That was terrible. What have, we, what have you learned from that? The execution of Apple Music has been awful. And actually, in fact, people love the options of having their streaming service on multiple devices. And, and Spotify has got a bit of a, you know, a bit of a swagger with it, which is just totally not Apple Music at all. And it's just... Well, and it's it just, also has the first mover advantage. First mover, advantage. it's getting more licenses. Apple still has more licenses, but it's getting slowly getting more licenses. And I think what we see now is we're just going to have a lot more fragmentation probably happen in all the markets before we see any cons- real consolidation. I don't think there'll be a leading streaming music music service that's used around the globe. I think it'll be region specific in, in, in my mind. That's an interesting perspective. When will I get Taylor Swift on Spotify? That's that's the real question that well, needs answering new, here, I think. The new Radiohead album just got launched on Spotify, so go listen to that. Yeah, but Radio, a little bit different. Been, yeah, Radiohead's <laughs> always been a little bit, uh, I guess, a little bit progressive, I guess, um, as, as well in this space. Mm. Um, or certainly been thinking about some other things. James, you wanted to talk about uh, the state of tech journalism in Australia. And we were having a bit of a conversation earlier about whether there are enough journalists to cover the Australian scene compared to, say, the US where you see TechCrunch, Recode, all of these. What is the current state of tech journalism in your view in Australia? Yeah, I can rant rant on on my uh, my opinion on this, but I mean, I, I think it's dire. In Australia right now, I, I mean, the only uh, I, I think there's not enough experienced tech journos anymore. Well, that there is it enough. I I, I, and now this is where I have to butt in, uh-huh. uh, being a former technology journalist, and say that there are the the people who are at the who are writing yep. currently. Yep. Uh, there are a number who are really really great, and I just wish that there were more yep. people. Uh, I think that there. You know, with, with okay. when redundancies come around, no one gets replaced, yeah. and it just becomes smaller and smaller. So I, w- I would say, it's, and not, I don't think the, the necessarily the quality of the individual journal as a writer and, and, and their analysis on tech is necessarily. I don't think. I think there could be more, but the, I granted there are some. I think the problem is our media doesn't really value technology analysis. What they like, they they view tech. Originally, tech was more like telco for some reason. TMT. Um, TMT. That was tech or gadgets. And it's nothing like this analysis that we're seeing in other media publications, which has a much broader reach as well, which is what I find really bizarre because tech analysis on consumer trends actually affects everyone. And the reach is really interesting. I and mean, that's why you see, you know, the that's most really shared... That's saying that tech belongs in business or tech belongs in the well, finance But that's, that's, that's what I mean. That, that even that perspective is not even... You don't really see that. It's just like it's... Well, it's I mean, we, we did recently see the Australian... Uh, was it the Australian or was it, was it Fairfax that rolled the, uh, the tech section to the business section? Uh, Fairfax. It was Fairfax. It was Fairfax, sure. Robert. Sure, sure. They're uh, taking the, I mean, I think they're taking their time and they're taking very small baby steps in this. So. I mean, I think, though, I think that there are absolutely some very good journalists. I, I think the challenge is more broadly in Australian journalism on a sort of broader sector level, you know, there's clearly some big consolidation going on. Um, consolidation and downsizing. And it's all sort of, it's a bit of a melting pot because they don't know what the future business model should look like. And, and all, all media outlets are having that challenge at the moment, absolutely. But I think it's particularly pointed, um, you know, in perhaps the more traditional outlets that have relied on paper sales and things like that in the past as they discover, you know, should they be paywalling their content? You know, what does the advertising rates look like online versus... How important is a strong tech media to the 
technology startup ecosystem? I think it's really important. I think it's I think it's really important because it allows us to have some element of challenge. And I think the the good elements of tech journalism are the ones where they'll actually and the, we've seen this in the Guevara case, for example, is, is where they'll actually you know unpick a deal and they'll go you know this this looks bad you know this looks bad or you know these are the limitations of this particular business model. It's not to say it's wrong or it's going to fail or anything like that, but it's about rather than just you know as maybe some. Um, publications do globally you know rather than just publishing the press release Mm. or you know doing a quick top and tail of a press release that actual element of insight and analysis that takes time and knowledge and you know an actual career journalist to understand I think will slowly go by the wayside. I I was talking to a startup the other day and uh, they were saying that they were able to form a deal with a company because of an article that they had previously that the, the backer had read of mine and like it kind of made me realize how important you know media is i see i think i think that the importance of media is actually really in one of the challenges that we know that we have in the australian sector here is the lack of uh confidence and the capacity to do some of i guess the risk-taking activities required for a startup you know startup is hard a startup fails that's what happens and i think we need to be able to you know partly you know is to celebrate the successes and we celebrate successes fairly well but also acknowledge the failures and like i think nikki durkin was actually the point at which I think that most people turned around and did start to go, oh, well, we can talk about failure. Like, I, and I was talking to someone when I was in Silicon Valley uh, not so long ago, and, yeah, they, they're working there now, and, like, they, that was one thing that they said was, like, yeah, Australia doesn't really embrace the failures. Uh, you know, it's, it's bad to talk about your first startup fail. Well, and people people are worried. People are worried that if they fail, then they're going to suddenly become unemployed and they'll be out on the street and everything else. When, you know, in reality, I think, you know, and, and James and I have been discussing this with several universities in the last couple of days, is around the fact that doing a startup, you know, doing a startup, for want of a better way to describe it, but doing a startup gives you this set of skills that you'll never learn anywhere else. You'll never learn, you know, at university, you'll certainly never, ever learn at a you know, large organization, even if you're in an innovation unit or something like that, you know, you won't give that element of, and part of that is that, you know, you need to have some personal risk, you need to take that personal risk, you need to be put, you know, continuously outside of your usual comfort zone. Um, And as a result, I think it significantly increases their employability. I would love to employ someone who has a failed startup. I like how we've gone from like tech journalism to how to encourage young students to start companies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's not just young students. I'm saying but, that tech okay. journalism can be part of how yeah, we no, can I agree. Australians I, no, no, to start their I, own thing. I agree. I agree. I think so. So there's a, there's an important. So journalism plays in a very important role in awareness and visibility, right? So yes, absolutely. So if you have an under capacity sector which is technology journalism australia is under capacity there's not that we don't have a lot of capacity in and how it goes about and and, and reports and, and analyzes then that might be a problem that'll definitely affect visibility and it'll definitely affect awareness but my my biggest gripe isn't necessarily whether they celebrate the successes or whether they blog about failures like i don't care like that will happen that's not my biggest priority well, that's just because of medium though sure my yeah sure that'll happen as well there's blogs and I think my biggest priority is I think the journalism should bring a certain level of investigation and an analysis because that's their job. And we're not seeing that sophistication of dialogue in our media that we do see in the top journals in the US. Like, look at the Guevara thing. Like, they did dig. I think that, that's, I think that's and that's fantastic. The that's I the think, exception to the rule in this case. And, and what I hate about that, they're digging about something that's very clearly got some issues rather than 
let's go into some of the other stuff. I mean, some of the profile pieces I've seen on Australian tech from overseas is so much more in depth than what I see. Again, this is a capacity thing. Like having worked at a large media company. So many many words. It's uh, under-resourced. Like there's not enough people to write about everything. But then Uh, what's the solution? Do we need a new media outlet? Maybe. Maybe we need a Peter Thiel. Maybe we need a Rupert Murdoch of the startup world. uh, Maybe, maybe, maybe Gorka should come to Australia. Maybe Gorka should come. Maybe maybe we should buy Gorka. $50. I'll offer offer $50 officially (laughs) to buy all of Gorka. You know, Fairfax owns Allure Media in Australia, which has a licensing deal to bring Gizmodo, Lifehacker, Pop Sugar and all of that. Lifehacker was started Um, in Australia. Australia. Cool story. So I think someone's like hammering upstairs. Pretty sure life uh, I don't actually have an upstairs. I don't know where that noise is coming from. But anyway, that uh, gives us a good opportunity to uh, finish T Tech Tech T. Tech 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 sounds better. Tech T. It's been a pleasure having you all here. Should we do this again? Let us know. Yeah, let us know. What tweet do you us, think? tweet us your responses. What, what's your Twitter account again, James? Uh, it's at James A. Sid, S Y D, James A. Sid, and I'm also on Snapchat. So and when you move to Melbourne, uh, will you be changing that that user handle? You'll uh, be James A. No Angle. comment. <laughs> and Hugh, your Twitter account. My Twitter is just my name. I'm I'm a normal person. Like with that. a G. With a G. H U G H. Uh, and Stevens with a PH, but I'm sure that you know it'll be in the uh, the show notes of this popular podcast. Oh yes, the show notes. Uh, who's doing them? Uh, well, I think we can just the show notes can be our Twitter handles. Okay. Uh, and my Twitter username is Ben Grub G R U B B. Thank you very much for joining us uh, on this not real podcast. Tech T T Tech. What do we say? Tech T. No, just T Tech T Tech T Tech. No, no Tech T Tech T Tech. Okay. This is very fun. Well. Thank you again. Thanks, Ben. Goodbye.